0: Good morning and welcome everybody to London Family Centre. Can I say, we really owe the worship team a a, a great applause. These guys, you know, people, people like Ray, people like Ray there, the only time you hear his name is when there's a problem. Ray, 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 Ray. And yet they serve so faithfully. And over the last six weeks, many, many things have changed. And it's not easy. I mean, you have a goal. And so thank you, guys. Thank you very, very much. We're in the midst of a transition like everybody else around the world. Today, um, I'm not, I sent notes, by the way. If you want to follow the notes, they're reasonably extensive. <laughs> it's a short booklet. <laughs> it, you can follow it on your phone or you can just listen um, but it is, I'm not going to preach or teach today rather I want to share a very important a very important address call it what you will about the transition of the church I, I think I think maybe Tim, you know what maybe even for the first time I would be willing to say yeah um, we, we should be coming out of lockdown I mean we're coming out of lockdown properly genuinely really and whatever that was is kind of going to be over whether you got what it was intended to give you i don't know that's your problem sort that out with god but i think it's it's over so that massive change the biggest change that has hit the church in my lifetime the biggest change that has hit the church for generations has just hit the church and you were chosen appointed to be alive and to come through this change. Now change is constant friends, it doesn't go away, it's permanent. But adaptability is not. And history tells us, over history, many Christians, many movements, they get swept away by change. They fail to adapt. We live beside a restaurant called Leon. And uh, we we live in the center of the center of the center of London. And so we're surrounded by every shop under the sun. But one of the Leons beside us, their adaptability was brilliant. I don't know if they did close for one day, maybe they did, but they certainly didn't close for a week. I mean, as soon as lockdown hit, they weren't selling sandwiches, they were selling toilet rolls so fast, all stacked up inside. Toilet rolls and bread and flour. I mean, they were just listening to the news. Get bread, get flour. And the adaptability, the, you know, J- Jesus said sometimes the children of this world are wiser and quicker than the children of God. Even after all our history. So today I, w- I, w- I want to just do a little overview of, of, of the church during change. The church and the lessons we can learn from that. The church of yesterday. The church of today. And the church of tomorrow. Um, Looking at the church of yesterday. One of the things. uh, And the way it handled change. I would actually start. With Jonah. And the prophet Jonah. Strange place to start I know. But if I may include Israel in the church okay. But looking back in time. One of the biggest First changes that came was through Jonah but people couldn't cope with it God was the God of who Israel Amen. God was the God of Israel and only Israel and nobody's gonna change that now are they and this wonderful prophet called Jonah is so confident imagine that might being been so confident That he heard a word. Even though it contradicted everything he was raised in. He heard a word. Bring the gospel. This news. To a Gentile nation. Wow. Now there's a change. (laughs) But Jonah as we all know. Jonah didn't want to go. Two reasons. Jonah said in his heart. The establishment can't cope with the change. They'll kill me. I'm a false prophet. That's what they'll say. And even if they cope with it, the Ninevites won't cope with it. Because I know what you're like. You're good. And I'll proclaim judgment and then you'll have pity on them. You'll repent and relent and have mercy. And then I'll still be a false prophet. So either way, my head's coming off. So Jonah didn't want to go. But it's the first big example in the Bible of an inability to be open to change. We've just had, I repeat, the biggest change in modern centuries. We've just come through it. My phone has been going ding, ding, ding for 18 months. And do you know what people are saying to me? Kamara, can you sit down, please? For the last 18 months, my phone has been going ding, ding, ding. And do you know what people are saying to me? Can we come back to the church? Can we come back to the church? When are we coming back to the church? When can we come back on a Sunday? When, when, when? And then we made the announcement. We're coming back next week. Ah, oh, can't come. Sorry. <laughs> That's what he said. Can't come. Sorry. No, busy. The same people who pressurize us to come back don't want to come back. That's absolutely typical. Now, I don't blame many for not coming back. Don't get me wrong on that. Just being a bit facetious there. But the church loves change. And the church hates change. The church will demand change. Right? And see when you bring the change? They will resist the change. They will resist the very change that they demanded. And I challenge all of you out there. It's easy to send a text and say, when can we come back? Maybe not so easy for you to get up and come back. Right? But we need to certainly start thinking about that progression, guys. The second big change I see in in history for the church, including Israel in that, is the birth of Christ and the birth of the church, the Christian church as we know it. Again, look at the reaction. There was some acceptance, but there was a lot of rejection. 3,000 people saved on Pentecost, praise the Lord. But a lot of rejection and indeed persecution. So no, change wasn't embraced by all. And then another change came later, and this was with Constantine. Many of you will know that. We did a little seminar here a couple of years ago. Constantine the Great. He was an emperor, Roman emperor. And he gave great favor, so-called, to Christianity. It's a long story. And I'm going to do a little interjection here, guys, okay? Michael, how long have you been going to church? That will reveal to me your age. Because that's my guess. You've been in church since you were a kid. Like me. And that's probably true for nearly every one of you. You've probably been going to church every Sunday... I better not mention any figures here because I'm gonna be revealed. All your life! When's the last time you heard a sermon about politics? I know the answer. You didn't. You may have heard it referred to. You may have had a casual little remark here and there, but you didn't hear a sermon on it. At least I would be surprised if you did, and the circumstances would have been somewhat unusual if you did. And yet politics plays a massive part in society, does it not? Do they not rule our societies, etc., in our countries, our governments? Why so little talk about this? Because there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding. I studied church history in Cardiff University for two years. I I was with a wonderful lecturer called Dr. Richard Harper, one of the leading experts in the UK for that time, and he was wonderful, great, great teacher. So uh, I want to say a little bit about politics. And politics and Christianity mixing because Constantine was the first big politician to come into the church did he do the church good (laughs) well in some ways I think he did it good but he probably did it a lot more harm than good because before Constantine the church was a radical gospel preaching healing the sick village to village they were passionate moving yeah they were that's a fact And after Constantine, they got robes, (laughs) they got candles, they got their buildings, buildings. And suddenly they're no longer passionate. Now they've separated the laity, the people from this, you know, whatever, clergy. So when politics actually got into the church, it now destroyed the passion of the church. That's an historical fact, my friend. By the way, this is Victory Family Center. We're a global organization. And the leader of our organization currently is? Jeremy. Jeremy. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry, I set you up. It's what politics does. This is what politics does. And every, everybody will have this, including me, will have the same. It, you have to unlearn that. When politics comes in, you think senior pastor. You think apostle. Who's the leader of the church again jesus christ is the leader of the church no human being this is something that's fixed in the mind of the early church but once you get the politics in once you get constantine in now suddenly we're going to have popes right who's the leader of the catholic church? and here we go that came a few hundred le- years later but A few things, uh, you know, studying it and being passionate about it for many years. A few things you can learn from history. I tell you this, numbers are no representation of God's presence with people. You could have a church of 20,000 people that is totally not with God. True? Totally true. And you could have a church of five people that is fantastic in God's eyes. Never rely on numbers. But I would say to you, be very careful about the mixing of politics I hear pastors on Facebook. I'm sure you see them giving a testimony. Praise the Lord, church. This week the government gave us 10 million pounds. They're going to pay for the renovation of our building. They're going to pay for us to have five staff. All we had to do (laughs) is sign the contract. This is politics. What does the contract say? You know what the contract says. The government doesn't give you something for nothing. And the contract says you have to compromise. Do you know how many of those agreements I have been offered? I had to turn down 200 grand building with the guys with paper in their hand in Glasgow. Just sign this. No, I won't sign it. We're giving it to you. We like you. Take it. The building is still there. (laughs) No, I won't sign it. I don't need your money, right? I cannot sign that. You're giving me something, but you want something much more in return. That's your problem. This is the problem with politics. They bless you, you think, but now you are beholden to someone. Now you owe me. You owe me. And what the essence of Christianity is, I do you a favor. I bless you, but I don't ask for nothing in return. Is this not true? But the essence of politics I give you something and you now na- I owe you and you will forever be mine not good Romans chapter 13 verse 8 Owe oh, nothing oh nothing to any man Abraham when he was negotiating remember what Abraham said I will not take so much as a single thread or a sandal thong from what belongs to you. I will, this is the father of your faith. Hello. Hello. This is the father of your faith who had a fundamental principle. No, I am not going to go through this life being beholden to someone. Because if I'm beholden to someone, my principles can be compromised. And I, this is how politics gets in the church. I did you a favor. Now you're going to start to Compromise. And this is what's happened. I had, you know, Eugene, Pastor Eugene, our Russian pastor, I had, a, he's in a building, I won't mention the building, but I had a phone call from the bishop or whatever. They are of that denomination saying, hello, it was a long conversation. You have a pastor in one of our, a church in one of our buildings. That's right, yeah. Well, you know, times have changed. <laughs> and we as a denomination are very open to the world. Yes, yeah, so am I. Thank you very much. You want us out. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> So I said, no problem. Eugene will come out of our building. All you have to do, see, here we go again. All you have to do, I'm, I'm giving you something. You're not giving me anything. You're taking my salvation if I carry on with you. My pastor will be gone, fast. Okay, no problem. And so he is. He never went back. He's happy, happy, happy. He's a good man, Eugene. Not a problem. We're on the move. Don't you just love Abraham? Abraham. Abraham doesn't need the manipulation of people. He doesn't need people. I won't take anything from anybody. I've got faith in God. That's why he's the father of your faith. Praise the Lord. Don't let people manipulate you into being beholden to them for the rest of your life. I'm going to say it again. Nobody owns you. You are free. Amen? Amen? You are free. You are a free man. And you live by your own conscience. You're going to live by your own conscience. Who's the head of the church? Oh, that was his name. Yeah, thanks for that. Praise the Lord. You might want to say that a few times. Because over history, which I've studied, you will see that that name gets diminished. And as you study church history, do you know what? I'm sick. I could throw up names. I honestly don't want to hear your name, king, prince, or whoever you are in whatever country. Look at the destruction you leave in your wake. So what am I supposed to do with politicians? Well, the Bible tells us. The Apostle Paul, I exhort you, therefore that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving thanks be made to God for every politician every king, every person and leader the Bible says pray for them not to become like moon pray for them pray for them, not join them <laughs> what political party was the Apostle Paul in? <laughs> answer, none Jesus, answer none he had that option but he didn't choose it So my take, I'm going to read this, but these are my words. My take on the history of the past church, the story goes like this. The fathers of our faith left Asia with the gospel 2,000 years ago. In each place they established and they grew greatly. However, a portion of the number amongst them would always compromise and ally with the local government and they would form what we call Christendom. This is a combination of church and the state, or church and politics. This new body, Christendom, would then persecute the genuine church and force them into submission or martyrdom. So the genuine church had to move ever further west until they went all the way around the world. That's church history in 75 words. It was politics largely that destroyed the church or kept it moving so be very careful very very careful indeed my second point on this whole politics thing be very careful of camaraderie and fellowship have you been watching the Taliban (laughs) the Taliban have camaraderie did you see them in the gym That's camaraderie. They're all having a great time, right? They've been fighting together for the last 20 years. Is that fellowship? You can have camaraderie in all manner of things. But it's not fellowship. And you know when you're choosing a church? Are you listening to me, guys? I hope you are. See, when you're choosing a church and you walk in the church, you're looking for people who have fellowship with Christ not camaraderie in a cause not camaraderie friends they're very very subtle and it's often difficult to tell the difference Chris Follerton published this a couple of weeks ago from Bethel Church there is a camaraderie that is rooted in a common enemy instead of a covenant friendship but fellowship rooted in warfare is fueled by hatred and not forged in love. A disenfranchised group may find a bond in the common fight for acceptance but this is actually counterfeit covenant. I love it. It's absolutely brilliant. Really deep, very insightful and very important. Our, our fellowship here is in who? Christ. It's in the love of God. And like Tim and I, maybe we both Manchester City fans. So we hate Man United. Right? We hate the, 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 the devil. That gives us camaraderie. Right? That's camaraderie. Because we have a common enemy. Yeah? And then when they win, we're both victims. Of this common enemy. It's not fellowship. It's not fellowship and it's very deceptive politics is dangerous it's downright dangerous and it's a masquerade very often politicians want power Um, is that right or wrong (laughs) power money and position what do they want Power, power money and position power money and position power money and position these are how you identify politics Put it in one word, we. The church, we're interested in his power, right? His kingdom, and hopefully in humility. So we don't say we, we say he. It's not about us, this is about him. And all those things should dissolve and disappear within our midst. Do I get involved in politics? With great care. Remember the fruit we had here a couple of weeks ago? Remember my avocado? (laughs) Now if I take a rotten fruit and I put it in with the good fruit will the good fruit make the bad fruit good? No. Can good fruit make bad fruit good? No. That's politics. You see? That's what it does. That's what history teaches us you need to be very very careful of it very careful of it and churches that get into this get completely destroyed corrupted distorted and we need to get fellowship in jesus christ alone amen. amen secondly the church of today that's the church of yesterday and some of the lessons of which there are many barna have got it right again about the church of today i can't believe how accurate this can i have water mary's please Just watch all the wires, and he'll go flying through the window here. (laughs) Thank you. Barna Institute is a Christian institute of um, statistics. And they've proven to be incredibly accurate over the last years. Incredibly accurate. And they said at the beginning of lockdown, they said that they estimated one third of churches would be closed within 18 months. I've been in the RMD meeting two weeks ago and other pastors' meetings over the last few months, actually, and some more coming up next week. And guess who's come back around the world? 25 to 45% of the church is currently back. They're not going back. Many people are not returning to church. Now, in some countries, everybody goes to church. You know countries like that. Everybody goes. So, th- But that's not a good measure. It's not a good measure at all. The, uh, the statistics are currently showing... After lockdown, post lockdown, the doors are open. But we're currently seeing around 25 to 45% of people have returned to church. I was talking to one minister who is a friend of a pastor of a very large church, 2,000 people. It's a very strong church. They've been going for decades. Everybody knows them. They're looked up to, admired. Lockdown finished. And he thought it would be a cakewalk. They'll all come back. Out of 2,000 people, do you know what he got? On his first Sunday, around 200. And on the second Sunday, dropped to 150. And he was shocked, so he reached out for help and said, I've got a problem. The people won't come back. And then we were looking at why. And it was fear, which is in some cases justified. If you're going on holiday or whatever, I understand you don't want to come and catch something. I, I, I get it, not a problem. But in many cases, it was backsliding or that the people themselves have fundamentally changed. Lockdown changed them. They're different. I'm not the person I was, you know. I used to just to go every week, habitually. But now I've got a choice. Mm, I'm not sure about that. And I want to talk a little bit about the church of today. There are some new skills that we're going to have to learn. And we need to learn them pretty quick. Because things are changing quicker than perhaps you realize. We need to be... Prepared for the changes and get ready for the changes. One of the changes, what was the problem? (laughs) Have you got a medallion? I could borrow (laughs) money. One of the changes that's happened with lockdown is Zoom, and with Zoom, some people have their cameras on. Some people have the cameras off. Now, we've been at this for nearly two years and some people still have the cameras off. Yeah. Have you ever been out for coffee with someone and you're having a really intimate conversation and they've got sunglasses on? Oh, oh, oh. I really understand that. And you, everything inside you says, what, what, what do you not get? Is it possible that you could take the glasses off so that I could actually see and we could have a, not a dysfunctional relationship, but a normal relationship? And friends, I'm telling you, it does concern me. Let me say this. In some cases, that, by the way, that's what it looks like when your camera's off and you're on Zoom. For the first 10 minutes, no problem. But after that, when I'm sitting with someone and they've got sunglasses, I start to think, you're not all with it, are you? You really haven't got this together. There's something wrong with you. It's even a little bit spooky. And you know, it's, it's creepy. What's wrong with this camera off business? It's not, let me say, there are genuine reasons for cameras to be off. Sometimes, especially on Wednesday, uh, someone will come along and say, hey, my camera's off, I'm here, but I'm looking after the kids. No problem, leave your camera off. No, no problem at all. Uh, Shobani's eating her food very often at 8 o'clock. She says, I'm here, but my camera's off because I'm having me. No problem, leave your camera off. Don't not come because you need to have your camera off. What I want is genuine reasons for having your camera off. That's what I want. Because we can't interact with you. And by the way, going forward, let me say, there will be some occasions when you will, we will insist that you have your camera on, okay? Can you have your camera off in school? Online? If it's scheduled, right? But typically, in any business, you will be demanded to have that camera on at certain times, agreed? Absolutely. And it's the same for us as a church. I was having a pretty intimate conversation with about 10 people, four months ago, on a private issue, in Zoom, from this church. And in the, it was, I was talking, and I was talking about things that are pretty private, to me, and to everybody else. And, and there was one mother there, and, she's, and suddenly the camera goes off and she's gone, you know. So I just keep talking about deep, intimate things. <laughs> And the next thing, like I don't know, three minutes later, the camera comes on, and there's a child. Pastor Mike, I said, "Wow, okay, let's change the topic." <laughs> there's a reason why, in some scenarios, we will be insisting that the camera is on. You understand? Because we're responsible for the safety of everybody in that group, whatever that group may be. Now, if a group is discussing something private, then you need to have your camera on because we need to know who's there. That's our responsibility. But there will be other occasions like LAW or even Sunday. If you, if, if, you, if you need to have the camera off for genuine reasons, I don't see a problem with it. I would rather you just be there. But that's not really my point. My point is I want you to start adapting. In, 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 if, you, if you asked people in 2018, can we run the church online? No. <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. How can you run a church online? The very essence is that we meet together. Could we have church on Sunday? That is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It can't happen. And yet the whole world has proved that it can happen, actually. Not just church. Worship, cell groups, evangelism. Listen to this. VFC Singapore have just planted 12 new cell groups in Japan. But they can't fly to Japan. That's right. How did they do it then? Facebook, online, targeting areas, making one contact, build, and the whole thing has been done online. Fantastic, isn't it? I think it's innovative. New cell groups just online. Wonderful. There's a bit of a teaching material coming out on that. So, yes, you can. You know, Shabani met her fiance online and she called me because she thought well what am I getting into here what advice would you give me and the first piece of advice I gave her was let me tell you something girl ain't nobody going to believe you for a start how they do not believe you can form a relationship online because they haven't and if I've never done it of course it can't happen and I told her this I'm telling you Shivani you will walk up to a 20 year old and you'll say, I met my fiance online. Yeah. They will accept it totally. Not a problem. Not one person, say under 25, would even question me. Do you know that? See, once you get past 25, 30, whoa. And by the time you get to 35, 40, it's impossible. It cannot happen. You can't have church online. You can't start sales online. It's not possible. It's not possible to form a relationship online because I didn't. Right? That's what people are saying. So I warned her, have no place for this attitude. It's just ignorance. They don't know. So I remember Peter Finch, my overseer, many years getting married to a girl he had never physically met. I thought, that my hero, who's, who's known for wisdom, Peter, who's famous for wisdom, I thought my hero was lost as rocker here. <laughs> what on earth has happened to him? He's wise. He has the gift of wisdom. I was conflicted on this man. Conflicted. Until I met them as a couple. A fantastic couple. Absolutely fantastic. So then I'm in the same situation myself. We meet for nine months online and we're talking every day 10 times, 50 times a day. Praying together and everything else and then she's arriving at Heathrow Airport. And you know, now, I, I'm gonna find out if this is theory or, or, or practice and I, I remember her coming out and, hello, hello, I'm like, <laughs> So we got in the train and we got in the taxi. When we got in the taxi, At Paddington I can remember thinking God it feels like I've been with you for a hundred years you know that I remember thinking I dropped her at the hotel it's possible to form a relationship online well look at that would you believe it it's possible to start a cell online it's possible to have church online 2.3 to 2.7 relationships currently start online that's, and it's growing. Atanasio and Sarah started online. Peter and Christina, us, Jim and Enke, Nune and David, and on and on and on and on and on. And it's only growing. I, I'm saying that for a point because we are we're in the hybrid stage now. By hybrid, I mean a church that's partly digital and partly practical. Partly digital, we're going to be online, and so are you, whether you like it or, or not. So, the church of tomorrow, please don't make those mistakes. Thank you, we've made them long enough. Be in fellowship with Christ and nothing else in Jesus' name. There's many things I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to learn to have my camera off. Get up, have a shower, get dressed, get your Bible, sit down with your family, and like going to church, right? Yeah. Sit down. I, I, I highly commend Michael and Hagar on this point. Some of the best examples in this church of, of respect for meetings and coming as a family. Hello. Seriously. You're the absolutely outstanding outstanding example to everybody families there, they're paying attention commenting, questions, answers it's fantastic so do that but be aware let me finish for the church of tomorrow Johanny, you're going to be hybrid yeah so am I, so are you Tim so are you Pat your future, is so is yours Tanaya I really respect Jeremy Seward's leadership on this. He's told everybody, do not ever dream that you're going back because you're not. You're making a mistake. I agree with him. Get, stop waiting for it to change because it's not actually going to change that way. Instead, you need to develop new skills. Take the sunglasses off, hallelujah. <laughs> get the camera on. Do whatever you need to do to get the camera on. Start learning new skills and realize that it is going to be uh, a hybrid future. And as a man, Michael, what can you do as a man? For, I tell you who I'd recommend, Paul Scanlon. Do you know Paul Scanlon? He's a friend of a friend of some of mine. And, and he's in Australia at the moment. Wonderful, wonderful teacher, preacher. First class. But Paul, Paul used to uh, pastor in, in England with a friend of mine, Andrew. He moved to, New- in, to Australia. And you know, all he's got is a phone. And the guy's currently, I mean, he's all over the world. He's just preaching hill songs recently. He's all over the world. But he's a brilliant communicator. But all he's got is his phone. Impacting the whole world with his phone. Just like that. Just in his garden. Morning, everybody. Nice and short, but three, four minutes long. Just putting out quality, prof- like words from the Lord, prophecies. Almost on a daily basis. And he's, he's class, you know. Look him up. Paul Scanlon. You'll find him online. So to the men. Come on, guys. Be innovative be creative enormous skills in this place enormous skills and to the women do the same be progressive we've got some great examples in this church of women leaders Johanna you a very good example of a woman leader she is she is a very successful female leader the most successful in this church well done Josh go on man yeah yeah Do you know, and I tell you, Sandra is another example, many, but Sandra is another example. And do you know why? I know why. Because you're not aggressive. You're not aggressive. Biggest mistake women make, and do you know why they're always falling backwards? Or they're stuck for, for decades. They're aggressive. As a woman, you can't be passive. You're not a doormat. No, 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 no. Don't be passive. You're not passive. But you're not aggressive you're assertive and most women you will find they fail on this issue they're either passive they do nothing and say you know wouldn't say boo to a goose that's no good that's not the creation God made you're powerful or they just become aggressive and then they alienate themselves from everybody because that's repulsive in society never mind the church but there's nothing wrong with being assertive And don't believe me? Try and change something on the worship and you'll soon find out that she's assertive. Not aggressive, but I care about this. I care about it and you're gonna feel that I care and you will actually comply because you'll sense my passion. I care about it. But you never achieve those things as a woman with aggression, it's a disaster. And I say that because I want you women out there, we've got many very talented, gifted women who keep on making this same mistake sanctify your gift sanctify your gift it's the same for us men it doesn't, it's the same thing, we have to humble ourselves and come under authority like anybody else but there's a right way and a wrong way of doing everything so if you've been doing it wrong for 20 years, it might be a good idea to switch that and become sanctified and assertive there's a huge mentoring space out there online Mentoring. Look at the skills you've got. Heavens above, or you. There's a mentoring space. People want what you've got. They want your skills. They want your ability. It's just secular. And some people just catch that. And God can bless it, like with Paul, Paul Scanlon. Next thing you know, it's a massive, and it is a massive ministry. It's a huge ministry. It just, he had retired, actually. He had retired and shifted out of pastoring. But it's it's like you. He's at the end of his one phase. But he's got a wealth of, of knowledge and experience. Why park that? What would you want to park that for? Get on Zoom. Get your ministry going. I'll coach you. I'll teach you. You can do all sorts of stuff. There's a huge mentoring space out there. Michael, there's a huge evangelism space out there. God, will you help us with this? In the RMD meeting a couple of weeks ago, it was a very interesting little conversation. We saw that churches were a success online. Of course, it's better physically, of course, not a problem. Cells can be a success online and many new ones have been planted. Ministries individually can be a success online. Do you know where we've kind of stopped evangelism? And Jeremy's feedback was interesting. He said this, the truth is people are getting saved just because they kind of do in the cell and just because they kind of (laughs) do they just kind of wander in and they find the lord but there isn't an intentionality there we need to try and think and may god bless you with innovative creative ways or ideas for us to bring evangelism online because the church of the future will be hybrid so get used to it you're going to be a cyborg whether you like it or not You're going to have to be in the building but also have a part cyber aspect to yourself. Get used to it. Embrace it. Don't shy from it. I repeat, the church has failed miserably with change. They embrace all the wrong changes and they reject all the right ones. We've screwed this up so many times. But I pray in these last days that we learn from the church of yesterday. And today we're found in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And you go forward changing and adapting and developing whatever is needed within you. May God bless you.